Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Michael Brunts, joined by Brian Christofferson on a, uh, a January Tuesday where we're going to spend a, a bulk of today talking about the portal as it seems like we do every podcast, but uh, lots to, to hit on at the edge rusher position, the wide receiver spot, uh, guys moving away from Nebraska after coming out of the portal. So we'll hit, all, hit on all that in a minute. Uh, just a reminder, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're watching it uh, on YouTube as Brian takes a sip of his coffee out of a fantastic coffee mug. Um, also, this pod, the, the podcast is available to subscribe. It's free uh, wherever you get your podcast, Spotify, uh, Apple, any, any of those places. So uh, hit us there. It's free. It's, uh, it, it's spectacular. So You can't complain if it's free. Yeah. So that being said, let's get into the the the, the news of the week so far. Um, Nebraska lands former very high four star edge rusher MJ Sherman from from Georgia. He of of two national championship rings. Um, the, Nebraska closed this one quickly. He was he was in the portal for a very very short amount of time after Georgia won the national title. Um, Nebraska pounced, got him to Lincoln and, you know, he, he left committed. So kind of break this one down for us, Brian, this, the, the edge position, which we'll get into too, is, is kind of been in flux. Uh, and, and I think Nebraska's done a good job of addressing needs there, but, but where does MJ Sherman kind of fall in the pecking order of, of transfers that Nebraska has gotten so far this off season? Well, I think. I think we Husker fans should be 
first excited by the fact that you got a player who is like number 33 overall in the 24 seven sports composite in the 2020 class. So we're talking, he was a high end four star, almost five star ish uh, prospect. He ran like a verified 4.5340 in high school. He did have an ACL injury at one point there. I think his junior year, uh, but just a, a stud prospect. And obviously at Georgia, Everybody in college football knows that's a program right now where you could be the fourth or fifth guy at your position group and still be pretty solid. Like you could be a salty player. You're just behind some guys who are going to be first round picks. So that's what you're hoping for. If you're a Nebraska fan is he's that type of guy who is really good. And he just sort of got lost in the clutter there of talent at Georgia. I think you can also, um, I understand Nebraska fans are like, I'm excited. But let's just let's not act like just because um, he had big time recruiting credentials or he came from that program that he's like automatically the first or second guy or he's going to be like a second team all Big Ten type player. So I think we can fall somewhere in the middle is where I take it. Like you can you can say, hey, it's a fresh slate first off with Matt Rule and this staff and how they evaluate and bring in portal guys and how they might develop them. That doesn't mean they're going to have success, but it doesn't mean they're going to fail either. So I think you can say, let's wipe the board clean and see how it goes with those type of players. And uh, it sounds like, Bruns, um, MJ Sherman's like, if nothing else, he's got potential, but he's also like, a. it sounds like from a great family and just like a, a guy like our Georgia writers were really excited for him, it seemed like, that he was getting this opportunity. He He leaves that program with a lot of, with the respect of a lot of people. And we've got some stories I've posted here and there, and you have two uh, from our Georgia site that shows sort of what he's all about. So I think you'll Husker fans are going to like him from that. end at least. Yeah. It, it's, if nothing else, you're, you're getting a guy who I think is going to fit in really easily in a locker room that you're adding what 33 now 33 new scholarship guys and counting at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's funny, um, you know, when it kind of came out that he was visiting, you, you started to hear from the Georgia writers of like, OK, this is this is a good kid. And this is a, a kid that in Nebraska would be really fortunate to get. And and then just as, as kind of an example, I guess, of kind of what Georgia's working with right now. Um, you know, the, the the other Georgia transfer who was visiting, Brett Seether, the tight end who ended up committing to Georgia Tech. In his recruiting class, he was one of he was a three star recruit, and he was one of what was it four three stars in the entire class. Yeah, like that Bennett Stetson Bennett was one of them. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> you're getting a sense, I guess, of, of how kind of the other side lives um, in terms of recruiting and talent acquisition. And a guy like MJ Sherman just kind of got caught up in the in the wash, I guess. You know, he he played a lot of special teams. I th- I think loved being at Georgia from all indications. Would have been fine staying there, but, you know, Georgia brought in younger talent, kind of said, hey, you need to make a decision here um, because it looked like he was maybe getting a little bit farther down the pecking order uh, as an older guy, which is never, never good. So he, he gets a new shot at Nebraska as an edge rusher at, at a position that Nebraska has a ton of need for. And I my sense is, is that when Tony White came in, and, and knowing what he wants to do defensively or has done in the past, at least, 
you need to have guys like MJ Sherman uh, to, to make that defense really work. Yeah, uh, no question. I mean, he's got a great frame. First off, he's like what six two two fifty, I think, was yeah. what he was listed at, and um, he did give his all too towards special teams. Um, he only played um, forty two snaps on defense last year for Georgia, so he was he was down on the depth chart there, and I think he played ninety one snaps the year before that. So. He's not quite like, uh, you know, on the other side of the ball, like Ben Scott coming in from Arizona State's played, you know, 2,000 snaps or whatever it is at this point. Um, You know, Sherman's different than that. But, yeah, you're right about the position group. Um, You know, Garrett Nelson was second team all Big Ten. We I, I said we shouldn't just expect MJ Sherman to be that. Well, Garrett Nelson was that. So you're trying to replace that. Uh, Caleb Tanner was a guy who – um, you know, he flashed some really good moments. You could say it was up and down throughout his career, but, uh, by the end of it, you had a guy who was a veteran of the big 10 who'd been around it for five you know, years and, and knew the ins and outs. And, um, there's something to be said for that. So they're going to be calling on, um, Sherman, you know, Kai Wallen, um, you know, coming in, um, I'm trying, let me, let me look at who else at chief borders from Florida, you know, could be a guy there. And then you've got like Len Hart, Maverick Noonan, uh, Prince will, uh, you know, and of course, Jamari Butler and blaze Gunnerson are the, are returnees. And so I think if nothing else, this addition plus borders plus, uh, Wallen, maybe that allows the guys who are coming right out of high school, a little room to breathe. Um, you know, cause that you've got some, at least now three players you've brought in, um, who have some college experience, whether it's Juco or otherwise. Um, and so that could, that could be helpful. Uh, but we'll see, uh, everybody's going to have something to prove though. I don't think you could, I don't think you should say like a favorite right now of who's like one, two, three, four. I think it's so wide open. And, uh, that was probably a lot of the appeal to MJ Sherman that it was so wide open. Yeah, and the guy that you mentioned in that list, who I'm I'm most intrigued to see in a new defense and a different defense than what Nebraska had run previously is Jamari Butler. You mm-hmm. know, when you saw him go into the transfer portal, I, I guess I was a little bit surprised, and maybe I shouldn't have been, by some of the offers he was picking up. I mean, it was it was a lot of Power Five offers. It was he had a couple SEC offers in there, um, and and I think he's a guy who is kind of that classic, you know, he came in undersized. I, I don't know that he was a perfect fit for what they were running, but he, he seems like a guy that has just gotten better and better. He's gotten a little bit bigger each year. And I think with kind of a fresh, fresh look from a new staff, I think he could, he could fit a three, three, five really well because he runs well. He's got at least the experience of having to, you know, try to set the edge and, and play on the line a little bit in the big 10, but um, you know, I, I think he's probably the most fascinating guy in that group, you know, aside from the new guys who you want to see, you know, how they run around and that kind of thing. But I, I think Butler could be, you know, a, a really important save for Nebraska out of the portal because, you know, I, I just think you need some continuity there. Mm. And I think he did enough and showed enough in, in, you know, fits and spurts to think that maybe his best football is still ahead of him a little bit. You know, the thing about Jamari, I, I always notice too, um, 
I was disappointed at first when he went in the portal, of course, came back. But at first, because some guys you notice during game days are really just like engaged and like part of like boosting up the team and stuff like that. And I really always noticed that about Jamari Butler. Like I felt like he was a guy who was very active in like wanting Nebraska to succeed. Um, so I knew he had other reasons when he first uh, considered, you know, he's, he's just like, I got to get going. I got to jumpstart this and play some more. Uh, but yeah, him and Gunnarsson are both interesting because if you look at their like snap counts last year, they were always sort of in that eight to 12 range. You know, that's how many they would get per, you know, contest. And so no doubt both those players are thinking like, this is the year to hike that up, you know, and um it's going to be wide open at that spot. And what makes it interesting is you could say edge is a weak spot until proven otherwise, but there's other spots in that defense where uh, on the back end, especially like Evan Cooper's group, um, when he was going through the names and who's returning as like, he's got stuff to work with on the back end. Like that should be, there's no reason that shouldn't be a formidable group in the secondary. So if they can get their act together with and find a, you know, three or four really reliable edge guys um, and then build off of that, it'll be huge for this defense, which is actually um, it's, it's got pieces coming back that uh, make it a pretty interesting group for Tony white. For sure. And I, and I think too, from that conversation that Cooper had, I think this defensive staff kind of appreciates the way that the defense kind of played at the end of last season. I mean, they played well, they played hard. That's something that, you know, it's a little bit of coach speak, um, you know, saying that oh, they, they play hard, you know, that, that, you know, maybe not as, you know, productive, et cetera. But I, I do think that defense by the end of last season was played pretty darn well. And I think they were bought into a, a system that I don't know that is it was dramatically different than maybe what Tony White would have run. Like, I, I, mm. I think at times they had pieces that were playing kind of similar to how White will have guys. Um, playing so we'll see but um you know the getting sherman i think is is huge and also just the, with the you know the, the speed with which they kind of jumped on him was was pretty impressive because you know he, he's a week away from having won a national championship and all of a sudden he's a nebraska cornhusker so it's mm-hmm. kind of funny how the portal works that way the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. Passion, drive, and patience. 
What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, and they've had a strong SEC contingent uh, from some of their portal moves um, already. Uh, and also, it kind of moved the conversation on from uh, – we could use – I don't know how we wanted that's, to – That's a good segue. We can get to that. I mean, it, it did move the conversation from Walter Rouse, of course, um, changing his mind and deciding he was going to go to Oklahoma instead. I'm not here to to bash a guy for changing or whatever the, you know, people can speculate as to the reasons as to why um, I was surprised because um, I talked to him a couple times last week and um, I could tell he was torn on the decision. Bronze, like um, even on that Wednesday when he announced for Nebraska, um, he said after the fact that he had planned to do it earlier and he was still weighing things like he was going back and forth. So he didn't announce it till after like dinner time. And um, I thought that was kind of interesting, but he seemed in a good place with it. Cause I talked to him at like 11 PM Wednesday night. So by in the span of like 36 hours, um, because Friday is when he said he sort of switched gears, mm-hmm. um, Oklahoma had figured out how to change his mind which you can do in this portal game until they're here. Right. I mean, that's uh, he, he was still, I guess, up for grabs supposedly. And that shows, I guess your Nebraska's on the wrong end of this one, but the recruiting fight is never over until, until a guy's there. And then honestly, in this portal era, sometimes it's still not over because a guy could go somewhere for a year and then he goes to the other place. So that's, that's the world we live in now. Yeah. My, my sense was, is that Oklahoma was probably going to, be his pick early in the week is mm-hmm. that is that fair to say like i i think nebraska if if you're thinking of it like a horse race kind of came down the back stretch and, and pulled ahead on on that what was a wednesday when he actually decided i got the sense nothing against anybody because everybody hears different info i got the sense on monday and tuesday we were thinking nebraska's in this and some people aren't thinking they are and they should but I understand why they were thinking that. I agree with you. I feel like outside of our bubble, there was a belief that for a while it was maybe Oklahoma and Iowa uh, was really where it was going to get decided. And we, through our interview with Rouse and other, we just kind of thought, oh, I don't think, we didn't know it was going to be Nebraska for sure, but I think we definitely thought it was a possibility. And so when he picked them, I wasn't stunned by that. Um I was surprised Saturday. I mean, you've seen everything covering recruiting, so anything can happen. Um, but that was that was sort of a new one because of the portal era to me, like of a guy who I don't know. I don't think Nebraska's ever had a portal guy yet, have they, who is like uh, he's in and then, oh, he's not. 
um, when it seemed so definitive that it was already settled. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and he was basically moving to Lincoln the next day. Yeah, so with that, his that mom plan. and grandma on Sunday, he was supposed to move in. So it was a, I mean, it. He, he's a guy who had a lot of experience and we thought could be the left tackle. He had a uh, injury he's going to have to recover from during the spring. So there was that uh, setback. But I think, you know, Matt Rule's staff understands this is a building process and there every day is going to bring like, Oh, that's good. Oh, that's bad. You know, there's going to be this juggling act of that stuff. And you really can't just like wallow in anything like that for more than five minutes because there's on to the next thing. And I think this staff is very much like that. And really that's the way, whether you're a first year staff or a 10th year staff in college football, you have to operate now because it is so, changing by the hour with everybody like i even hesitate bruns to say guys individual names on the roster anymore because i'm sometimes like is he for sure on the roster you know yeah. like i we're actually to that point where i i wonder about stuff we we we, we destroyed a lot of bandwidth last week with with how important rouse was to that offensive line picture he wasn't that important <laughs> just kidding <laughs> we're, we're, i believe we're obligated to uh to say that yes um Nebraska will be fine. Yeah. But, I mean, in all seriousness, no. I mean, you're not going to have Walter Rouse at left tackle. What does this kind of do to your your thinking of, as we sit here on January 17th, where Nebraska's offensive line stands as they start offseason conditioning? Well, the health of Prohaska is big. Um, I mentioned last week I thought you know he's had those two back-to-back injuries but I hope that the second one because it happened early enough in the fall I'm hoping that the time it's given him on the calendar is useful for him to really get both those injuries squared away like and mentally and I only say that because he said it himself I wouldn't go there otherwise but yeah like he said it was a mental challenge dealing with that first injury last fall so hopefully when he comes back it's just like I'm off and running you know, um, so, um, yeah, I, I, I think, uh, him at left tackle Scott at center is still huge. I mean, that gives you, that still gives you the flexibility where, um, you don't have to necessarily worry about that piece. You could put Nuri in on the interior somewhere, New Ely. Um, I still like Corcoran kind of going inside if you can figure out a way to do it, but that's where you kind of wanted that one more tackle. I think, um, where you felt like, Obviously, Ben Hart's still there, and you just need him to k- climb the ladder. Um, but but Corcoran inside isn't that where you'd like him? Yeah, I mean that 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 to me was the biggest impact of the Rouse decision was that it gave you a lot more flexibility of what to do with Corcoran. Which ideally, I think you move him to guard. And now it's it's a little bit up in the air what you do in my mind because. You know, if, if you're going into the spring, assuming that Teddy Prohaska is your, your left tackle and, you know, Bryce Benhart has been the leader in the clubhouse at right tackle. In my mind, you, you could put Corcoran inside, but at the same time, I think you also have to acknowledge that he's probably one of three tackles that you're looking at um, potentially starting next season if you don't add anybody else. So that that to me is why that decision was a big one to get him and then you know, for him to, to go to Oklahoma is it, it just brings a little bit of 
a little bit more doubt in how you put that puzzle together this spring. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was big from having that, just that tackle body with a lot of experience when you had Rouse in the fold. So he wasn't in the fold. He didn't, he didn't end up here and that's the way it is. And, uh, um, you know, you you got to just keep developing some guys too. Uh, they're bringing in a lot of linemen. They're young guys, um, but uh, you do need some of those third or fourth year or older college guys who have been around right now to set this foundation while that class, which is very promising on paper, um, of freshmen, a lot of local guys, well, they get a year or two to grow. And that's where you got to get that cycle going, you know, where you feel like you've got juniors and seniors um, up front starting for the most part, a couple guys building behind the wings who are ready to go their third year. And then it just keeps spinning that way. And that's, what's got to happen. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of that way at a lot of positions, really. I mean, if you dig into the way the roster is, is kind of put together right now. I mean, it, it feels very kind of barbelly almost where you've got, you know, veteran guys at some spots, a lot of young guys, but there's just not that kind of in-between group. And, and that's why, you know, kind of missing on some of the guys that you did in 2020 and 2021 and guys transferring out, that's where it hurts you. It's not, not right away. It's a couple of years down the road where it's those that, that time for those guys to step up and they're playing elsewhere. I mean, that, that's really kind of been Nebraska's big issue in my mind and how they've been able to develop and, and kind of nourish talent. Yeah. Um, well, there's also, I mean, this is what's so fascinating about Husker football right now is since rule took over, someone asked me today, do you, are you expecting news of some sort? And I was like, basically every day I expect <laughs> something. like, you know, yeah, it's not like there's something specific I'm necessarily thinking, but it's some days there are, but, uh, it just feels like uh, something's going to happen. And over Sunday and Monday, um, Let's talk receivers, Bronze. Okay. Um, Xavier Betts um, is on track and appears like he's going to be part of the program. Uh, I've been told Garcia Castaneda is part of the program. Um, and we, and there's like, I mean, there's pictures from like the Huskers account, right? With both of those guys. They, they were both volunteering yesterday <laughs> with the rest of the football team. So that's the. So that's probably a giveaway. So I don't yeah. think, I don't think we're like, breaking anything here um but i we let's start with xavier bets uh we'll, we'll go back to friday because you you had your a report about kind of where things were with him and i think it's i think the backstory of matt rule also and the way that he's kind of handled situations like this in the past kind of needs to be said in terms of how it relates to xavier bets yeah um they met multiple times, I was told, um, face-to-face. And um, I... Z- Xavier and Rule. Yeah. Okay. And, I don't, and I, don't, I don't think any stone was unturned from what I've gathered. And I just feel like... Um, really, there is, the parameters are there. The support system is set up. It's like you we're going to put guys around you to have you succeed, but there's also going to be accountability. You know, you got to understand there's going to be accountability. And um, I, I just think there was, it sounded like there was a mutual good feeling about the possibility of making it take off. And the, the 
I think what you're getting to in the question, and I've tried to stress this the last week or so, rural staff, you know, coming from Temple, um, they had a lot of, I don't know what number you'd put put it at, but they had a bunch of players who came from tough circumstances and some in the Philly area. And um, there were guys who had zigzags to have success. They weren't just like a straight line where it just worked for them automatically. Like Robbie Anderson, who's in the NFL, I've used him as a good example. Um, you know, he's a wide receiver who went home early in his Temple career and wasn't with the team for a while. Um, maybe similar to Xavier's situation a little bit there. And um, he stayed in contact, Robbie Anderson did with Rule, and Rule brought him back, gave him a second chance, and he really flourished and he became an NFL player. Um, Hassan Reddick's a guy who had, I think, a second chance uh, given him. And there's, a, there's plenty more you could, you could point out, uh, but I just don't think they're going to be phased, Bruns, by like situations like this. They feel like they, they've had success with guys who um, – for one reason or another, I've had difficulty stepped away or there's something that's uh, it's just uh, has kept them from success on the field or not wanting to be in, on the field. Um, and so they're, and it's an in-state guy with Xavier. Like think about the success story um, that is if Xavier could come back and take off you know, of like a, a guy who went to Bellevue West and everybody was so excited about his talents and you think it's over and then he comes back. And if, if there's any sort of success there, it'll be one of those examples that we point to, like sort of the, the Robbie Anderson thing at Temple is always brought up. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest too. I mean, that that's a position where you need a lot of help and you know, Xavier Betts, just based on what he's done, you know, early in his Nebraska career would be what the second or third most productive receiver on the roster right now in a Nebraska uniform. Yeah. I mean, I think he has, he has more career catches than Elante Brown, right? He probably does. Um, he, I mean, he was fourth, I think that one year. Um, and then, there was sort of the expectation he was going to be one of the top two guys last year before he left in the spring. Um, and I, I just think he always got the sense with Xavier when he did interviews, he was pretty candid about stuff when he was sort of like searching, like to, to motivate himself to play this game. And, um, you know, some guys are really great at football, but you got to really want it and love it. And, uh, you know, sometimes you can step away from something for a bit and that comes back to you sort of, and we'll see if that happens here. I think that you got to have that component to succeed as much talent as you have, but you're right. He would be like from a stats point, one of their top three guys. And so if either him or Garcia Castaneda, who we'll get to in a second, if either one of those two took off and uh, you got Billy Kemp now in the fold from Virginia, Marcus Washington, um, Alante, you got something to work with then if you could get one of the young, a couple of the young guns to rise up too. Yeah. And, and I, I think the thing with Betts, I mean, there, there's no doubting the, the athleticism that he has. And, and I mean, he's a truly a special athlete. And, and like you said, I think it's just a, it's a focus thing. It's motivation. It's, it's the kinds of things that, um, you know, Matt Rule and, and he, I'm sure, have talked about quite a bit in those face-to-face -face meetings. 
you mentioned Garcia Castaneda. Um, it, it, it seems like ages ago that he caught the first touchdown of the 2022 season way, way back when in Dublin. Uh, he hit the portal in October, having not played in four games or ha- having maintained the red shirt. Uh, yesterday morning, we wake up and he has removed his name from the transfer portal where he had been um, for the better part of a few months and is, is now evidently going through, uh, you know, things with Nebraska's football team, including uh, volunteering yesterday, I guess. So good for him. But um, another another guy who um, I, I think it's probably fair to say didn't, didn't mesh particularly well with Mickey Joseph or at least the way that things were set up last season um, on Nebraska's offense. But he's going to get a, get a shot. Rule and his staff are going to give him a chance and and see where things are. And I mean, going back to last spring, he was a guy that the three of us we were pretty intrigued by in, in terms of his big play potential and, and what he brings to the table. Yeah, no question. You saw it the opening game. He's a uh, he's pretty elusive in space. Like, yeah. He, he was involved in, in the weird play where Casey bought like five extra seconds and then ended up being like a 58-yard play. Um, but he also, on the it was kind of ended up being a bummer for him, but he fumbled, of course, inside the 15, and it ended up being pretty costly. Some would say he didn't fumble. Um, but uh, on that play, if people remember, he made like three or four guys miss, it seemed like, before uh, the – the mishap occurred and I thought like, wow, that guy's pretty exciting with the ball in his hands. Um, so I was kind of looking forward to seeing more of that. I remember even after that first game, writing a pretty big feature about him that appeared like Friday before the second game. Like you're thinking like, okay, here's a story of someone who's going to take off. And then it just went silent. Like, uh, yeah. did he have a, did he have an injury of some sort there a little bit? Um, or was I there? I don't know. I he only had one more catch, <laughs> um, and yeah. yeah, it just it just. I mean, based on comments on social media um, from you know people said they remember members of his family, things didn't sound like they were particularly rosy between him and the staff. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you you sit in the portal, and I, I think sometimes it makes sense to you know stay and give it a shot where you are, and especially as we said, with Nebraska's need at wide receiver. And and two, I mean, with, with Betts and, and Kemp and Garcia Castaneda, you're, you're kind of getting to what Marcus Satterfield was talking about, of looking for a little bit different type of receiver. Because you have a guy in Kemp that's a little bit more of that kind of slot guy, the, the veteran that's, you know, I, I think I would probably regard him more as kind of a chain mover versus a guy that's going to take the top off of a defense. You have somebody that when he's at his best in Xavier Betts, who, you know, could, can be among the best athletes on the roster or even in the league if he develops well. And then Garcia Castaneda, I mean, he, he's the kind of guy that you can send him deep and, and he can take the top off the defense. So you don't know where those guys are going to be given their layoff. But, I mean, you're at least adding guys with, with power five experience and potential, which I think um, – you know, you you can at least count on that a little bit more than maybe kind of rolling the dice in the portal. Maybe I'm wrong. No, um, they've done a good job in the last month with Kemp Betts and Garcia Castaneda of 
there there's there's some proven stuff there like I, I feel like there's there's stuff on the resume where it's just about if if you get the focus right and the connection off the field right the on the field talents are there with with all those guys and so that's really what it's going to come down to um and I think it's easier right now for like, I got to ask this, like, well, is that tough if Garcia Castaneda entered the portal in October and now you try to come back to your team or bets from last spring is trying to do this. What do other guys think? I sort of think most guys will be like, if you're all in and you can show me you're all in, let's go. Because I think that's more the climate we're in first off because everybody that's in college football is so used to all the portal stuff happening around them and guys kind of looking what's over here, what's over there that I just don't think it's that big a deal anymore as it used to be 10 years ago. If a guy left for four months and comes back and um, he's going to have to show it that he's all in and that he wants it. um, And that's, what's going to matter. But also the fact that it's this first year staff, um, it's sort of a fresh start for everybody too. So I think that makes it easier in this case where like if it were year three or four of a staff and a guy, these guys, you know, left for a while and came back, maybe there'd be a little bit of a different uh, angle to it, but I, I don't think it's going to be a thing. I just think it's like, okay, this is a whole new collection under a new staff. Everybody starts blank. Let's go. Yeah. That's what I think it's going to be like. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> We'll, we'll probably get into this a little bit, at, you know, once we get into February and a little bit closer to spring ball. But, I mean, you just look at the number of scholarship guys they've got on the roster right now, and they've got to get down to 85 by, by the time August rolls around. I mean, it's going to be a very interesting spring, a very competitive spring, uh, where, where guys are pretty much playing for roster spots. I think that's fair to say. I mean, I, I think that's kind of where they're at. And, I know that this coaching staff is telling recruits, you know, come down, come down and see spring practices. They're talking about how physical it's going to be already. They're telling recruits uh, how competitive it's going to be. Um, so I think that's a little bit of an indication that, you know, the, the staff is not going to kind of dip the toe in the water, so to speak, this spring. I think they're going to be really giving guys a chance to compete and, I, I do think, you know, the, these guys that are coming back to the team are going to have just as good of a shot as, you know, guys that that maybe stuck it out last year. Yeah. And also, if you're a young guy, you can look at rules track record at Baylor and Temple. And, you know, he's a builder and a, a guy who's a true builder is going to allow himself in certain cases to play young guys to continue with that process, like not be afraid to put a freshman or, you know, a first year guy out there if they feel like he deserves it. And there are cases of that at his previous college stop. So I think if I'm a a new player, I don't, you don't have to be just like a third or fourth year guy out of the portal, I think to necessarily find the field. So that I think should fire up the guys who are right out of high school, which is an interesting component to college sports now, because I feel like some of those guys who are coming out of high school, they're sort of, there is a little bit of what about us sometimes because there's so much talk about the portal and you can go fill these immediate needs with guys who have been somewhere else in college. Um, but sometimes there's a reason why those guys were in the portal. You got to remember that. And, um, and uh, these guys coming out of high school, it's a, you know, it's a fresh, beginning for them and um you got to you really got to build that up and so 
I think we'll see some young players. I don't know who they're going to be. I wouldn't dare name them, but I think there's going to be guys right out of high school that contribute in some way on this team next year. And they'll take their lumps, but I think, uh, you know, Matt Rule has done that before and he would probably be willing to do it again, I'm guessing. Yeah, it, it it's funny. I mean, you you were mentioning snap counts for for what you know MJ Sherman had at Georgia. I mean, it, you do get the experience of the practices and and the conditioning and all that other stuff. But when you're actually talking about you know real game snaps and having to be relied on, I mean, like a guy like Elijah Judy doesn't have a ton more of experience than you know a Riley Van Poppel um, in, mm. in terms of game game reps. So. Um, that that is something I I think you're right. I think that does get forgotten a little bit um, when you're kind of moving the pieces around uh, on a potential roster. So, is there anything else we need to hit on? That I'm sure there's probably going to be ten more things we have to cover out of the portal in the next couple of days. But um, anything else come to your mind? No, I mean it. It is. Uh... It is a fascinating time. Um, I feel like recruiting wise, this staff is is going to be really interesting because I feel like different guys have very strong ends to places that uh, were once very good in Nebraska long ago, but haven't been as much. Like I've written before about like New Jersey, like uh, and how this is this is the place of like Rich Glover and Rogier and guys like Baron Miles came out of New Jersey, and uh, this was once you know great for Nebraska. And yes, the Huskers have gotten players out of that area with previous staff, but I feel like it's going to be another level with this staff. And then Texas, um, I mean, the moves they're making, you know. Um, with their staff members who are closely tied in with Texas and all the relationships they have down there. I'd be a little annoyed if I were Texas or Texas A&M or Texas tech or Baylor right now. Um, and I'd say that as a, a compliment to rules crew, because you know, they're going to be in the equation. Now they're getting Nebraska is going to recruit. Like that's almost like a home state school. Cause they know it so well. So the Texas thing, the New Jersey thing, California being more in play, we're seeing a little bit now with Tony White, and I think that's going to happen more and more. That's really interesting to me, just those like three states, how we've kind of talked about them on a surface level, but I think it's going to be something bigger now. Texas especially, I think. Yeah. Texas and Texas A&M are always going to be kind of right. Um, you know, they're, they're going to be at the top uh, and kind of get their pick of guys. But if you can get it, get competitive in that next group, but like you said, with Baylor, with Tech, TCU probably is recruiting at a higher level now than they were before based on kind of what they've done. But you can find guys in that next kind of tier down that, that can be difference makers and, and can be, um, you know, talented players that, you know, maybe – you know, Bo Pelini's staff was trying to get out of Ohio or Mike Riley's staff was trying to pull out of California. So I, I think there's room there. Matt Rule is in uh, Texas this morning um, with, with Bob Wager kind of getting around to different places. Uh, and they're still not done in 2023. Uh, you said that Ismail Smith-Flores um, from, from Bob Wager's old stomping grounds at, at Arlington Martin. He's coming up for an official visit this weekend. Um, Demetrius Bell, a wide receiver from Tennessee, is coming in for an official visit. So they're not 
they're, they're not moved on to 2024 completely yet either. Um, so I, I think you're going to see even more additions to what Nebraska's got, got going into the next uh, signing day, which I believe is February 1st is, is the Wednesday. Um, so keep it locked to Husker 24-7 for all of that from the weekend. Anything else, Brian, before we sign mm-hmm. off? I don't think so. I, 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 there will be plenty by the next time we're up, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, those were the main topics at hand and it, it's busy and busy is good though. I it's, it's a, uh, it's, there's an energy that is easy to pick up on and it's fun to cover when there's an energy like that. For sure. And Nebraska's assistant coaches are c- going to continue their two by two uh, with the media, like a, like a Noah's Ark media situation. Uh, it sounds like so. Uh, we'll have that recruiting coverage, basketball coverage. Basketball has Ohio State, Penn State, and Minnesota. Um, we're at next week. Yeah, Northwestern, I believe. Northwestern, sorry. Yeah, yeah, on Tuesday. Yeah. So uh, I think busy week of basketball. Uh, we'll have all that. We'll know who they play uh, when they play them. Baseball. <laughs> Baseball practice starting next week, so wow. uh, keep it locked. The Husker 24-7 will have all that for you. And uh, maybe another podcast later this week. Hip-hop takes the stand in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Rap lyrics are playing an increasingly prominent role in criminal cases. Every song, every lyric, every video that you've ever been involved with, they're going to use against you. Follow rap artist Kemba as he explores the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system. This artistic expression is a confession. I'm ready. Roll the tape. Watch the eye-opening new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.